0: You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to thrive. If you've ever caught yourself daydreaming about a break from your job to go, I don't know, travel the world and dream bigger dreams, Katrina McGee is here to help you make it happen. As a career break and sabbatical expert, Katrina has successfully helped nearly 100 people take time off to put time into what is lighting their hearts on fire, seeing them return to work recharged, inspired, happily employed, and forever changed. In today's episode, she's sharing exactly how she herself took her own 20-month globetrotting career break. And don't worry, she's keeping it real and revealing how much money she saved and how she recommended breaking down the dollars and practicals to support your own sabbatical, whether it's a month off in your hometown or a year or more around the world. Stay tuned through this episode, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Katrina.
1: Hello, Erica. (laughs)
0: so excited to have you here. We already were just like hitting it off and riffing before we had to uh, go ahead and hit record. But I'm just going to go ahead and call it now. This is probably going to be one of the coolest episodes and topics we've ever done on Thrive because I know there's already some skeptics probably who clicked on this because of the title and they think we're crazy (laughs) taking a career break or like anything, but I'm super excited to share your story and your advice and expertise and hot tips to prove them all wrong. So you are a career break and sabbatical expert, a certified life coach with an MBA, and you have created a literal framework to help people take a break in their careers and essentially change their lives in the process, which is just like really cool. So Break this down for us, what it means, what it looks like, and who you are in all of this.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I – thank you, by the way. That was a really fun introduction. Um, You know, I have been on a wild and crazy journey. And in that journey, I think one thing about me is that I've always sought to find the truth and the fun. And so really getting to know myself, really trying to be more authentic. And, you know, that can be a buzzword of sorts, but it's really asking the deeper question of what do i feel like i'm here to do but also what is making me happy what is lighting me up and because i think those are the clues that lead us to sort of that really unfiltered powerful raw radiant version of ourselves and not being afraid of the answers right and finding the the courage to go a step towards that vision versus you know retreating a step back towards what feels safe because it's familiar because 85,000 other people you know are mimicking sort of a similar path And so through this process, you know, I came to a point where after getting my MBA and starting a whole second career after the first career, I was realizing I was not on my authentic path and I had $1,500 in my bank account, not a lot of money. I had a good job, but I just wasn't saving nearly enough, but I I had this dream and this dream was I was going to quit my job and travel around the world for one year. And I didn't honestly know anyone at the time that was doing that. It was 10 years ago. This wasn't something that people talked about. It seemed kind of crazy. But I did it, and I saved $40,000 in 18 months. I left for a break I thought it would be a year. It ended up being 20 months. I traveled around the world solo. I was not a solo traveler before that point. And I just lived the biggest adventure that I possibly could. And through that experience, you know, once I came back, paid off all of my MBA loans, um, and really leapt into this idea of entrepreneurship, got certified as a life coach, The one thing I felt the most passionate about helping people like live and do was creating space for them to, and permission for them to live their dreams, to do the things they want to do, to take time for themselves, to have the space, clarity, to even understand who they are. And taking a career break, I think is an amazing facilitator to up-leveling your life and creating this more can just go out and and do all of the things, and so I really wanted to preach that gospel to other people and help them create their own version of success through that medium, and that's that's the journey. So the the framework was born of my own experience. Um, you know, the framework is the RSVP framework, which stands for Reset, Shift, Vision, and Plan, and those are kind of the main steps you move through to create something like this, but. Ultimately, I helped them build a break blueprint, which is a blueprint for a successful break. And, you know, I just have to say, I love and hope that some skeptics have tuned in to hear us talk today because I think they're going to be converted. Um, This topic is not going away. In fact, if anything, I think the pandemic has made it so much more relevant. I've been talking about this for, you know, 6 years professionally as a coach and just the amount of conversations happening and the kinds of things that people are considering now. I didn't know if I would ever see this day, but I'm here for it. I am happy to be a part of this movement and, you know, um I actually got a book deal recently um in the last few months to write Taking a Career Break for Dummies. And I mean, if the for Dummies people want you to write a book on taking a career break. That's usually a sign that there is an audience out there and people are hungry for this change. Well, congratulations, because that is super exciting news. Oh my goodness, that's incredible.
0: Um, And I love this too, because I love that you said you kind of just felt like you were missing something. Like it wasn't, did you also feel like you needed a break? Like were you burnt out and all of this too? Or was it really, or were you kind of questioning, already questioning the job, like what you were doing, or was it more just kind of that, that deeper feeling in your soul of like, I'm missing out on something that I really want to be doing.
1: Oh, that's so good. You know, it's actually both. So it's an, and, and I will say when you're on the, the, when you're in the rat race and you're on that corporate wheel, grinding, 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 I do think burnout is just part of the game. You can't be giving 85% 85% of yourself to something every single day, like nonstop. I mean, let's be real on weekends too. Like you can't be always on and hyper vigilant, um, and in your mind, constantly processing all this information and and not sort of hit a place of burnout. If you're not being very mindful of recharging, which I don't think collectively as a society, we do a great job of. So I think burnout is something a lot of people can relate to just because the way we approach work is not sustainable. But for me, what is also true is that You know, I grew up in a small town. I did not grow up with a lot of money. And I saw people have things, and I wanted to have things. I wanted to go out to a nice restaurant. I wanted to take a vacation. I didn't get on an airplane until I was like 17 years old, I didn't go abroad until I was 29. So there were a lot of experiences I really desired to have that my parents, you know, didn't have the means to provide back then and that I didn't necessarily know how to create. And it was like, oh, go get a corporate job. Like that's the way that you make money. That's the smart, successful thing to do. And not that I regret that decision, but I definitely think I was following a path that other people were taking. And I was looking around like, what is it I'm supposed to do to get the things I want? Oh, okay. I'll go do that. And so I was just sort of unconsciously following someone else's blueprint for how I should be living my life. And so it it built and it built and it built. And when I went to get my MBA, the secret is that I was actually trying to change my life. I thought this was a very smart way to completely change my life. And really, I just ended up with the same life. It's just a different job title. So that didn't work out so well. But for me, it was this sense, I think a building sense over time that was unconscious and then became so painful, it moved into my conscious awareness. I am not living the life I was meant to be living. I am not using my gifts. I am not enjoying this process. And if I'm not careful, this is going to be the next 30 years of my life until I'm retired. And then I will be looking at my 65-year-old self going, well, let's go out and try to find some joy while we still can. Ooh, I'm
0: sure that hits home for a lot of people. I Right off the bat, before we dive into the practicals, because- I want to hit the practicals pretty hard for all of the, you know, the how to actually make this happen sort of thing. But right off the bat, my first thought is, is this something that you see as even being possible for people who have a family, a partner, a whatever, like people, or is this something that you recommend more so when you are in a certain stage of your life or at a certain point in your career, or is this something that you still be, see as being an option, kind of like, regardless of where you are in your, in your journey.
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking this question, Erica. I'm like slow clapping <laughs> you over here as you're asking it. I'm like, yes, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. No. They're all excuses. So I'm going to I'm gonna caveat this by saying there clearly is a threshold income-wise of money and means that you need to survive, to feed yourself, to cover your health expenses. I acknowledge that. I know that not everyone can afford to take a break. I think everyone deserves one. I think everyone should be able to take one. I recognize that some people are not in a financial means or ability to be able to take one. That said, the majority of people that think I could never do that, actually could now they might not take a break that looks like mine where they travel for 20 months around the world And they go visit all the countries and eat all the food and do all the activities, right? But if you need and want to break, there's some version of that you can scale down to create. And to prove the point, right, that great question you asked, I actually did a survey recently as I was preparing for this book and just thinking about, you know, my past clients. So I have personally supported over 60 people into and through a career break. So, you know, that's not just people preparing, that's people that have actually prepared and taken one or taken one and finished it. And it was astounding to me. I think seventy percent of them had partners. Some of them were married and had spouses, but other people had partnerships that they were in. Um, I think around thirty percent of them had children. People had homes that they owned. They had pets. They had em- some of them had employees because they were entrepreneurs. Like anything that you think is an obstacle, with thoughtful planning and a very powerful connection to your why, is surmountable, right? Maybe what you know, what it looks like will have to be altered to address some of the limitations or responsibilities that you currently have, but it is absolutely possible. And I I think that's a really important thing is because it's so easy to dismiss it and say, oh, that must be great for everyone else, but that's not for me. You know, and I happen to look, at least I used to, uh, younger than I am. So I'm 43, but, you know, back when I was in my no, 30s. No, you not. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So it's 43. And so people will see me when I was traveling at 32, 33 on my career break, and they would think I was in my like mid-20s, and they'd be like, oh, you must have a trust fund. And it's like, it could not be further from my reality, right? But I think it's easier to assume I have a gift that you don't have, because then then you don't have to take responsibility for for doing the hard work to create it. And it is hard work, right? But that's what I'm here to, to teach people is how they can create this for themselves, regardless of, to your point, the responsibilities that they might come into their situation with.
0: Yeah. So, okay, let's break down the practicals here. Because I know you mentioned this in the beginning, you number dropped $40,000 is what you had. And yeah. then you did. you took that to visit 20 countries, do like all the things. I love that you pointed out that there's obviously a scale here where like if someone is considering a career break, this does not mean they also need to literally travel the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But what would you kind of recommend as the maybe like a range that you can kind of, If people are looking at this completely clueless as to like, okay, I have no idea how much money it takes, I have no idea what I would do, or whatever, can you shed some light or give some context to kind of like, okay, here might be a goal number that you want to save to be able to do this, and like what you kind of did to shift up your saving process because I'm sure that was a new experience also when you're like intentionally (laughs) saving for this specific thing that's like a very very big thing and you want to do it relatively soon and not like two decades or three decades from now um and shed some light on all of that
1: yeah absolutely so you know I'll start with the savings the savings part first because that that's pretty pretty simple it was not easy but it was simple Um, I had not been a saver. I didn't live above my means. I kind of unconsciously was living at my means. But once I had this dream of taking a break and I realized I didn't have the money to create that possibility for myself, I started with the simple act of tracking every penny I spent for two months and just realizing, this is really important, realizing where my unconscious alignment was. And was it matching my real conscious values? Meaning I'm spending lots of money at Whole Foods and I'm spending lots of money eating out and I'm spending lots of money at happy hour. Cool. Does that align with my priorities of what I consciously want to create for myself? And the answer is no. I actually love shopping, you know, natural and organic products. And so I didn't stop shopping at Whole Foods. but. I started shopping with a grocery list. I started paying attention to what was on sale. I stopped, you know, going out and spending a lot of money at happy hour and like inviting friends over for a drink or just, you know, not having a drink. Um, I started creating opportunities for myself to do things. In a way where I was being more wise with how I was spending my money, not from a place of deprivation, like I'm limiting myself, but from a place of alignment and prioritization, like this other goal is really important. So let me make sure I'm spending lots of money or putting lots of money towards that goal. So, tracking what you spend to know what the reality is without judgment, and then tweaking any place that's not in alignment. That's what budgeting was for me, was going in and saying, like, oh, a month at the grocery store for a single person, like that doesn't feel good. Let me find a way to reduce that, right? But it's not like, oh, I can't spend that. It's just like, that doesn't feel good. So let me find a way to reduce that down, increase my savings. Um, So that was kind of step one rolling into step two, which was the budgeting. And then the third thing was saving my lump sums. So I was surprised by this, but once I'd saved my money and then started helping other people do similar things and went back and looked at like, where did all that money actually come from? Almost 50% of it came from saving lump sums. So when I got a tax refund, when I got a bonus at work, when I got a surprise, um, you know, like reduction on my escrow of the townhouse that I'd owned. And, you know, that was like a couple, like a thousand dollars or something. Anytime birthday presents, I got money that I wasn't expecting instead of being like, oh, I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to go spend it. I was like, oh, immediately put this away because I wasn't counting on it. I wasn't depending on it. I hadn't planned for it let me put this away into my savings to plan and save for my break. And that ended up being close to $20,000 over you know the 18 months that I had been saving. So save your lump sums. I think that was, for me, it was a really huge thing. And then the asterisk to all of this is that when you have a budget, you have to have a dedicated line item in your budget to enjoy your life. So I called mine the Exploration Fund and it was money intended to explore my life, whether it was taking a class, taking a day trip, paying for the gas to go on a day trip to a new town and take myself out to like a gluten-free lunch and have a coffee, whatever it was that felt like exploration to me, both internal and external, I had $200 a month that I was allowed and actually required myself to spend money on having that stimulation of like being in the world and learning new things and experiencing new things. And I think that is what counteracted the feeling of deprivation because I'm doing less of the old things that I used to do, but I was being much more intentional about creating the feelings I wanted to feel in my life. So does that like, does that feel pretty clear as far as the savings goes?
0: I think so. And then if you could kind of co- like maybe match or recommend different break, I don't know if it would be like durations or yeah, destinations, mm-hmm. depending on the general amount of money that someone is saving or hoping to save to kind of like give some perspective. If we've got like 40,000 is the travel the entire world to do all the things for like yeah. almost two years. What are, what are kind of other options that like tiers maybe, <laughs> or like yeah. other options that might be of different, different levels for people, depending on what they're able and hoping to do.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is such a great question and it's nuance. So I want to give like a, a, a really like honest answer. So, you know, to answer your original question about like, what would even be an anchor point for someone that's like, how much money would I even need to be in the ballpark to do this? It absolutely depends on your situation and what you want to do. But I would say anchoring to a very generalized 25,000 to 35,000 for a year on a break. Yours could be more, yours could be less, but I'd say that 25K to 35K range is going to, to cat and ca- and capture the majority of people on average, as far as like being able to take a break and not feel like you're living a deprived version of that break experience. Now that said, right, there are tiers. Some of my clients, a couple of my clients, you know, opted to stay on a break as more of an internal exploration than a travel exploration. And they had a partner. And so the amount of income that they that they needed for this break or the amount of savings they needed to take this break was a lot lower. They're at the lower end because they have someone contributing for a lot of the household expenses. It might still require some of the savings to pay for it, but like that is a big boon and they're not spending a lot on travel, right? So there's that sort of like anchoring lower end. And I would say the opposite end of the spectrum is someone that really wants to travel and really wants to have a very sort of like go big or go home type of experience right so they want to go hike Mount Kilimanjaro and like buy the equipment and pay for the visa and do all you know like do all the things you have to do for those bigger sort of more adventurous things and they want to do it for a year so you know I've had clients that have spent, I would say upwards of like 50 to 60K for like 12 to 14 months. But a lot of that was either A, they had a very expensive lifestyle that they were maintaining while they were on a break or B, they went really big and really hard on the travels and like the plane tickets and all of those things. You know, my clients also span a very wide age gap. So I have coached 30, 30 year olds. I've coached people in their late fifties and I've coached a lot in between. I would say the average is probably that mid-30s to mid-40s range. But people in different stages of life want to travel in different ways, right? And they want to create different things. So knowing your situation, knowing if you have passive income, you know, if you can rent your house out and create some type of income with that, if you have a side hustle that you can tap into, you know, once you've done the restoration phase of your break and you don't want it to quite end and you just want to like be able to supplement your travels, there's lots of ways you can sort of bring some money in or change your financial picture to sustain you being on a break for longer. But I would say, you know, for myself personally, I did this several years ago, but the countries you go to matter. So when I was in Southeast Asia, I spent $5,000 to exist there happily for three months Now, I was staying in homestays, I was staying in hostels sometimes, occasionally I would get a hotel, but I was doing all the tours, I was eating all the food, it was just a very affordable place to be. Compare that to, you know, I was in Europe, I spent a little over 5k in Europe, but I was only there for... Uh, I believe about six or seven weeks, right? And I was staying in hostels there for sure because it was expensive, but it just was a higher cost of living. So there are places you can go. I was in Buenos Aires. That was the first sort of like big stop on my whirlwind tour. And I rented an Airbnb there for a month and you got a huge discount to be there for a month um, on that monthly fee versus the daily fee. So I paid $600 US to rent an apartment in a very, in the nicest neighborhood, like in a very touristy area and just live there. That was super affordable. I think I spent about $1,700 to just live there and eat all the food and do all the things for a month. And then four years later, I went back and did the same adventure. And it was, it was like $1,800 It was basically the same, right? So just knowing there could be a lot of places you want to go, but if travel is a piece of that, understanding the dynamics of, you know, Where I go is going to influence how long my money lasts. And if you have your heart set on someplace like Western Europe, maybe counterbalancing that with your second, you know, your second choice being someplace that's really affordable to find that mix if money is a concern.
0: So how on earth did you figure all of this out? Like, where did you start with like Googling Because especially when you were looking at it from such a global perspective, I'm like, I feel like I would literally, and this is going to sound real dumb, but I feel like I would sit down at my computer and be like, cheap, cheapest country, but then you don't want to type cheapest, (laughs) like there's, it's so nuanced, like how on earth did you start researching this while you were simultaneously planning all of the things that you needed to have in place to be able to take the break in the first place?
1: Yeah. Okay. Great question. So number one, I planned this break in 2012 before like Instagram was a thing before people were like having, I mean, there were just a few people that had like travel blogs, right? Like that was like the thing, like there really wasn't like blogs or any of that. So basically the way that I went about my process is I, I let my desire lead So I made a long list of places I really wanted to go. I really want to go to Thailand. I really want to go to Vietnam. I really want to go back to Spain. I really want to go see Argentina. I really, right? So it's like the list of places I'd like to go. And then through like some simple, you know, some simple Googling, some simple travel blogs. A lot of times at that time, people would put like their average like food expenses or, you know, like rent and things like that. I could get a sense of things. You could also just go get guidebooks from the library if you wanted. I mean, now Google has... Pretty much everything that you would want. So you could easily probably find that information. But I would say one of the biggest expenses is going to be your flights and your accommodations. And so I could easily, when I would pick a new country, I could easily go to a website. I could go to Airbnb or I could go look at like booking.com, right? Or even Hostel World, if I was going to stay in a hostel, and I could just see how much does it actually cost to be here? And that was very anchoring, right? I can play around with food. I can go buy groceries. I can eat out less. I can do other things and pull other levers to like minimize that cost. And it's not quite as big to begin with. But for the accommodations, I just went to Airbnb or I just went to booking or World and just looked at like, what does it actually cost to be there for a week in April? And use that as an anchoring point for estimating that cost. And then similarly, you know, this didn't exist when I was looking, but Google Flights is awesome. And so, you know, just even playing around, it'll show you like month by month, like what the cheapest dates are to travel and just getting a sense of like, how cheaply could I fly there if I have some flexibility in like what day I leave, what time I leave, what airline I fly out on. Um, And that really helped me put an estimate. That said, I always round it up. So once I've created what I think it's going to cost me to spend a month in Thailand, I'm rounding that up, right? So if I think it's going to be $1,500, I'm going to like 1800 or 2000. And so over time, right, I feel very confident that I have an inflated number and I can maybe scale it down a little, but I just know I'm prepared, right? I'm prepared for, even if it costs a little more, I'm not suddenly in the danger zone where I have to abort mission and, you know, stop my break soon or early.
0: Does this, do you think it's possible for someone to do this in a more, traditional nine to five job, like not in the entrepreneurial space or a more nomadic or more work from home lifestyle, but maybe they have an office job or are or, or in a really competitive field or something or aren't necessarily um, in this like huge life transitional phase, but just wanting to take a break and ideally come back to something at the end of it. Because I just think of like my parents for example or someone like that and I'm like they have my mom will have like six personal days like she's if she was like I'm going to travel the world for a year they'd be like, well good luck you don't have a job when you come back
1: yeah, <laughs> so like, yeah.
0: How, did, how did that play into all of this
1: yeah absolutely I mean absolutely right I do have some clients that take sabbaticals um or you know like mini breaks in a way so that they don't have to quit their job to do all the things but I will say, You know my first break so i've kind of been on two breaks the second one was almost as long as the first one but it was like a hybrid of doing my own nomadic digital nomad thing and like being on a break but my first break was a purist i'm on a career break and when i returned from that break i actually went back to corporate to pay off all of my debt as fast as possible i landed five job offers in five weeks right that was the moment where i was like oh okay i can go live my dreams i can do this amazing thing And actually, it makes me a better person. And if I bring that better person into my interviews, like I'm crushing it, I can totally move forward on whatever path I choose, right? So I have lots of clients that do have, I mean, the majority of my clients have nine to fives. Some of them want something different. So they're happy to take a break. They'll take a six to 12-month career break on average, and they'll go live their dreams. And then they'll create what we call a re-entry period to do the hard thing, update the resume, get clear on what they want next, start applying for jobs, networking, all the things so they can transition back. For some of my clients though, you know, they are taking smaller breaks. Like one of my clients, um, you know, she did a sabbatical that was, I think, about three months, and it was really transformational for her. And she came back into the company in a slightly altered role because they had to delegate all of that work that they were, you know, previously giving to her when she was gone. And she was able to kind of come in and choose some of the things that lit her up. But then also, they had systems in place to make her job even more efficient so that she had to do like spend less time on the things that she maybe didn't love as much. But ultimately, you know, it's up to you where you're at. So if you love your job, but you just want a break, whether it's because you need one and you're burned out or because you just have these dreams of writing a novel or taking a really fantastic trip and not having to rush back or being able to fully disconnect while you're on that trip, you know, if you're in good standing, you can talk to your, you know, to to your people to just know, has anyone ever done this? Has anyone ever taken a sabbatical? Is that something that we're looking at? You might find in your leave guide, right? In your benefits booklet, that there are certain kinds of leaves of absence available, the absence that you didn't know of. One of my clients is actually a couple. They ended up moving to Spain for six months um, and having a really amazing experience. And they went to give their notice at their company. They both worked at the same company and they were you know, highly regarded employees. And the company was like, wait, please don't leave. We have this leave of absence. You can just take this general leave of absence. And if you come back within six months, you can just like, you're guaranteed to be able to like, you know, you can keep your insurance and you're guaranteed a job. We just might have to put, make it a different job than the one you left. And they were like, oh, okay, sure. We'll do that. And they did that. And they came back to their job and got to move to a different office when they decided they wanted to like relocate to a different state. But I think there are a lot of possibilities out there. It's like just figuring out what's true for you and then doing some exploration to find out what's already available. And then like, what could I maybe advocate for if I really do want to come back to the same company? But if you don't, just know if you structure your break in a thoughtful way, you can absolutely come back to your same career or an adjacent career very successfully. You just have to be really thoughtful about how you frame that story once your break is over.
0: And what about things like insurance or like unexpected expenses or like an emergency fund if you are you know, like if life happens yeah. <laughs> along the way, like what? How, how did you structure planning for all of that as well?
1: Yeah, so, you know, insurance is a changing landscape. So that's like, I could give you an answer today and then, you know, like a year from now, it would be completely irrelevant. But for me, what was true is that, you know, my income really changed, obviously. I was working a corporate job and then I'm not working. So I was able to qualify for basically like a full supplement through, um, the exchange. So I went on the exchange, healthcare.gov got insurance for my, you know, for my primary residency state where I was able to qualify for a supplement. So my insurance was actually free, um, to have it in the U S. And then when I was traveling abroad, I personally went through world nomads and got travel insurance, which, you know, covers things being lost and, and damaged as you travel, but also like important health stuff. And I actually fell off of a bike in Mendoza, Argentina, and had to go to a doctor in Paris because my knee was hurting and it hadn't gotten any better and they were really great about paying that claim and it was really easy and i didn't have to i paid out of pocket but they reimbursed me everything so it didn't actually cost me anything to go to the doctor so you know i highly recommend having some kind of travel insurance whether you know you're going through a website like squaremouth where there's a million kinds of insurance and you can find one that works for you or if you're going through something like world nomads or another one that you know digital nomads would recommend or people that travel a lot um, but if you live in the U.S., if you're a U.S. you know like citizen and you're living here, I think there are penalties for not having some type of U.S.-based insurance if you're still paying taxes as if you're a primary resident of the of the country or whatever. So all that to say, you know, you might want to talk to some people that you know about what to do uh, in regards to your U.S.-based insurance. But I I highly recommend having something for your travels, and also thinking about, you know, you could qualify for a supplement if you, um, you know, if you're not working because it's really shifting your income and that might make having a program on the exchange really affordable. A few of my clients have very specific healthcare needs and so they actually paid the very exorbitant fee to stay on COBRA, which is extending, you know, your employer-based healthcare, but you're paying the full cost plus a premium for that, but they felt like that trade-off was worth it for them.
0: Wow, man. That's super overwhelming. So I'm going to put the link to your framework and also any resources that are like favorite resources of yours or like websites you recommend everybody bookmark or check out or whatever. We're going to put all of that in the show notes for people so that you can just kind of take what you need and explore the process. Um, if you're just listening to all of this being like, wow, no idea where to begin or what to do with it. But like, I totally trust you, Katrina.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I'll say like, don't like, please don't let yourself, um, if you're listening to this and thinking like I'm intrigued and also overwhelmed, like, please don't let yourself get stuck on the details. Like again, 60 plus people I've personally supported on taking a break. And that's not counting the like thousands of other people that are doing it without my help. And they all figure out a way through it, right? Like if you're 55, if you're 30, if you have a partner, if you don't, um, you know, any detail that you come across, somebody else has figured out a way around that or through that, or you can get support for that. And so let it be overwhelming. Don't make yourself wrong for that, but also don't let it be a stop sign where you're like, oh, I was looking at this and now I've decided I don't have an answer for that immediately. So like, I can't, so like, definitely like let the exploration be fun. It's like you're you're uncovering this way to make an impossible dream possible. That's a freaking magical journey to go on and just know that somebody out there has like struggled with the same thing and, and found a way to overcome it. So you can too.
0: I love that. How much of your end goal, I would say, did you feel like you need figured out or do you recommend people have kind of figured out before beginning this? Or like how much, is there something where you're like, okay, if your goal is to completely shift into a new field, there's like a certain amount of time that's like the best amount of time to take to support that. Or is it really just kind of like, you're going with what you think you can afford or what you feel like, or I don't know if that makes sense, but just kind of like how to gauge how much is kind of like a not scientific, but kind of like a specific, okay, this, for this type of career break or for this type of sabbatical, this is kind of the time or the planning, um, that would kind of best support that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I fundamentally believe the most important thing, right. We talked about that blueprint earlier, having a career break blueprint, the foundation of that blueprint, the most important part is your purpose, your purpose statement, and your themes. So I ask my clients to develop we co-create four themes. They're very short. Usually it's one to two words that describe a pillar of their break. And so once you understand what do I need this experience to do for me and what do I want to get out of it? Like why am I taking a break? Really why am I taking a break? And what like what are my pillars of that break? That helps you understand oh, cool. Like, could I do this in like four months? Could I do this in six months? Oh my gosh. Like, this is huge. I want to actually change my life path. We're talking like a year. And I also just want to travel for a year, right? Like understanding I want to travel around the world. So I let desire start the conversation as far as timing goes, and then back into the logistics. If you need a break because you're burned out, or if you just feel like I can't do this anymore, and you only have enough money for six months, Take that six month break. Please don't push yourself to put like through the burnout and through that like just awful feeling of misalignment. To save more money, take the six months because they will be life changing. Again, I didn't enter into this space coaching people on this immediately after ending my first career break. It was still a slower burn, right? I came back changed on the inside, with a way different perspective and a whole like you know just a truckload of inspiration and excitement. Um, with a renewed sense of energy and and just like this clarity of how I wanted to feel, but I didn't know what to do with all of that. That had to unfold, right? In the two years that followed and it kept unfolding. It was like a gradual process, but you can't have all the answers, right? So you don't want to wait until you know exactly what you need or want at the end of it because you will change in the process of taking a break and that new version of you is gonna have way different ideas about what you want to create at the end of that experience. So just know it, even if you have an idea, it might change and evolve and grow with you as you change and evolve through this experience, but you absolutely can plan for a break You know, before you have all the answers and, you know, from a timing perspective, start with like, what is my dream? And then from that place back into what's feasible, right? Like when I look at the finances and I look at the timing of all of this, what can I make happen? But start with the dream. Don't start with what's feasible because you'll, you'll end up with something too small.
0: Okay. Final, final, hot, hot question for you here, because I feel like this has probably changed a lot given, you know, recent, global everything in the grand scheme of things in the last five years or so, but especially with how long it takes to plan something like this, how do you take into account things like the potential for a global pandemic or like things that would obviously very vastly alter not only your break plans and your travel plans, but also like your return, your return plans and the general scope of the economy and like all of those things is this something where you just kind of plan with the hope and a prayer that it doesn't happen again? Or is this something that like, realistically, you kind of have to take into account, given the fact that it very much did happen?
1: This is such a good question, Erica. Okay, here, I will try very hard not to get on my soapbox. But this is something I feel super passionately about, right? Life is going to life. If you are waiting for the perfect moment or you're requiring that your plan account for every possible chess move that the universe could make, you will be waiting until you are dead. It will not happen. There will always be a reason. There will always be a reason because life doesn't have rules. It doesn't play by rules. It's not like if I do this or I save this much money, then I'm guaranteed to not be uncomfortable or to not get sick. That is part of why I want people to take a break is because the other part that they're not considering is what if I get cancer? What if I get sick? What if this person that I wanted to travel the world with or this person I wanted to go visit isn't around in 10 years? Like, what if I've waited too long? So when we go back to that blueprint and we talk about your purpose and your themes, right, the reason that I created the structure for my clients is for this very reason. Because if you are clear on why you're taking this break and what those four pillars are, like the things you need most desperately to get from this experience for it to be successful, you're not married to the details and the specifics. You're not married to a week on the beach in Thailand. You're married to being immersed in other cultures. You're immersed to being in a place where you're learning and growing or you're practicing another language, right? You have so much more flexibility to adapt and change when life is adapting and changing around you because spoiler, it's always going to, whether it's an internal personal thing or a global pandemic thing. And so you're able to reassess and pivot and be flexible and say, okay, My theme for this period of my break is about reconnection. It's about, you know, really making time to reconnect to myself and the people I care about. And so if a global pandemic comes, right, leaning into that self-reconnection first, and then deciding how can I still embody reconnection, right, with other people? Is it doing it through Zoom? Is it taking walks in a mask outside with friends? Is it, I mean, I still traveled like very cautiously and safely when um, when the pandemic happened because I was living a nomadic existence and I didn't really have a home. So, you know, I was just like, okay, I'm in an Airbnb and I'm sequestered away, but I can go for a walk in the park and see other humans and feel some kind of connection. But I've had clients, I had one client who was in New Zealand when the pandemic started and she just started her break and she was living this dream experience And the borders started closing and she had 24 hours to decide, do I leave New Zealand and end my break because travel is like shutting everything down in slow motion? Or do I stay in New Zealand and get locked down here and make an an adventure? And because she had a partner, you know, back home that it was like a new relationship, but she was like, I really, I don't want to be locked down indefinitely and away from my partner. I'm going to go back. So she went back and she still had a life-changing experience for the next several months while she was on a break. She wasn't like, I wish I'd never taken a break. She was like, I'm so glad I got to go to New Zealand. I'm so glad I got to do the hike and the tour and all the things I did. And she found a way to adapt and make it really useful, even though it didn't turn out the way that she had expected it to. And I'm just going to drop this this bomb right here and say like, I lived this, right? So my brother was my favorite person in the whole wide world, like the coolest dude ever. And he unexpectedly passed away a week before my career break started and it was, it turned my break from this super joyful thing into this very mixed bag of like joy and grief and like all of the things. But I was so grateful that I was going on this break because I was living the life that I had. There's no guarantee how long I'm going to be here, right? There's no guarantee for that. But I had the ability to grieve with space and not go back to work and pretend everything was fine. I had the ability to be with my family. I had the ability to go on adventures and just lose myself in other places, um, to like part with my grief in some ways. And I was so grateful. So like we can never wait, right? We can never predict all the moves, definitely save money, definitely make a plan but make it a plan that's more of a structure than a detailed itinerary, because life is going to life and it's going to surprise you in really good ways and sometimes traumatic ways. And so you have to just be able to adapt and meet it wherever it leads you.
0: Well, on that note, I think everybody is due to book a trip, (laughs) (laughs) even if it's not a year long global break something, because I think you're absolutely right. Like life is just going to uh, keep on life and whether we are whether we are in the same house that we've always grown up in, not that there's anything wrong with that, or whether we are on the other side of the world, globe trotting and with elephants in Thailand, like, like you said. So I love that. On that note, Katrina, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you what we ask everyone to end the show, which is what does thrive
1: mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh, to me, thriving is about removing and living aren't the barriers. I'm removing the barriers. I'm removing the obstacles in front of me so that I can just play full out. Play be but play full out. And so the way that I continue thriving, even as I get to live my dream and have this amazing business, is I continue pushing myself towards the way of play and joy and desire and removing the limiting beliefs and the limitations that appear, rise up and like try to deter me. And let me tell you entrepreneurship is a tricky tricky, it is a tricky, tricky road, but it's it's so much fun when you're connected to a mission that is bigger than you and a purpose. And so thriving for me is not letting those limiting beliefs or those obstacles stop me from shining the light that I'm here to shine and just finding a way to bring my most radiant and brilliant self to the world so I can help other people.
0: Girl, you're a light. I love it. <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more. And to we'll put everything in the show notes also, but tell them about how they can get your actual framework if they are now trying to sign up and work with you for their career break.
1: Yeah, absolutely, which I totally hope they are. Um, you can find me on my website at kmageecoaching.com. And I actually have a freebie, which you can find it's 45 things. So it's based off of those 60 amazing humans that have taken breaks. I give 45 of the coolest things my clients have done on a career break. So if you download that, you'll also, um, you'll find out more about what I do behind the scenes. You'll get lots of other resources and tips and things. It's really fun. So I recommend if you want to connect with me, start there. It's a really, um, inspiring and exciting list.